welcome to Peace Lab, the podcast focused on faith, current events, and peacemaking from a Mennonite perspective. I'm Jason Boone of the Peace and Justice Support Network, and I'm joined, as always, by our co-host, Hannah Heinziger. Hannah, good to see you. I'm actually, And for folks who may not know, this podcast is actually happening in Elkhart. I live in Raleigh, but I'm here today, and so it's good to be with you in person, Hannah. That's right, face-to-face. So we have a lot to talk about. There's a lot we could talk about. I feel honestly overwhelmed. We're recording this podcast in the middle of, we don't know where all these things are going to end that are in the news. We got we got Russians, we got FBI, we got secret tapes. I, I don't know where to start and where to end. And I really want to ask you, I mean, as the, the editor-in-chief of the Mennonite and the Mennonite Inc., you deal in news all the time. Can you help me figure out how to process what's fake news, what's not fake news, how much should I listen and how much should I ignore? I think that's a question a lot of us are wrestling with. Oh, man. Well, it, the United States news cycle right now feels like a fire hose. It's just ever-present and coming at us so fast. And the stories we're hearing are just changing rapid fire. I can't really remember a time in news cycles when it's been quite like this. You know, I kind of thought the presidential campaign was bad, but this is just a whole other level. Um I think one of the most interesting conversations I've had recently was with another professor of communications talking about what is responsible news intake look like these days. And I think part of that means limiting our consumption and being strategic about where we're getting our news. So making sure we're listening to a couple of sources that are coming at news from different perspectives, but maybe not always just staying on Twitter and scrolling all the time. Taking care of ourselves a little bit and making sure... We're getting the news that we need to get, but also stepping back from it, too, so that we're not so overwhelmed. So for me, I know I've kind of limited what's on my Twitter feed. Try not to just scroll the New York Times every day or, like, um, look at Fox News headlines that are popping up. I I have found that listening to podcasts, which do kind of news roundups periodically throughout the week, is great. And then usually, after I listen to that news, I need to go for a run. Got to get some of that energy out. Well, that's good to hear. I, you know, and actually, I did that uh, just sort of started to restrict my news intake a couple months ago and I felt a little weird about it. I I didn't know if I was retreating or if that was the right thing to do but it almost felt like just for my own sanity because yeah the the campaign was so intense and you kind of felt like in real time everything was happening and and it was and that just carried over and I would find myself you know you wake up you get your coffee and all of a sudden your phone's on and all of a sudden your your cortisol levels are up and everything else because you're reading this news and the rest of your day just sort of goes like that so I had to step back but Maybe, maybe that's that's the wise choice these days. I also think, I mean, I, I definitely want to advocate engagement. We need to know what's happening. I think there is an opportunity for the church in some ways to say there are alternate ways to treat people. You know, we care about the immigrant. We care about the stranger in our midst. We care about taking care of those who are vulnerable in our community. So we need to pay attention to what's happening. But it doesn't do anyone any good if we're all burnt out just by listening to this all the time. So I think it has to be that balance. Well, that's a great point, too. We can't, you can't retreat, and we don't want to. But again, it's almost like, what signals do you respond to? And if, you know, if the, you're always getting false alarms at the, at the firehouse, eventually you, you quit going out because you think everything's false. So we've we got to start, I, I guess, figuring out how to distinguish the signal from the noise or, or whatever it may be. But that, that, is, that does come get to the heart of this week's podcast, actually, which is uh, I sat down, been wanting to do this for a while, but finally got some time with Ted Grimsrud. And Ted, as you know, is a retired professor of what, religion and theology 
at EMU, I believe. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Bible religion field there at EMU. <laughs> yeah. Um, got to sit down with Ted, and we were talking sort of on this topic. There, there's a book out, and it's called The Benedict Option. And um, some of our listeners may have heard of it, or, or maybe not read it, but heard about it. And, and it's causing a stir. But the heart of that is, is sort of how do we live now? How does a follower of Jesus live in these tumultuous times? And what's the best strategy for us? So Ted and I had a, had a good conversation about that. Is that something that, well, I'm, I'm sure it is. We just talked about it. That's something that we all wrestle with personally, I guess, is what does it mean to, to engage without withdrawal, but, but doing some self-care, I guess, and, and not letting ourselves get overwhelmed. Right. And also recognizing that, you know, sometimes it's a privilege that we can tune out some of this news. For some people, uh, it's not just news. It's impacting their day-to-day lives. Um, and I'm very aware of that. Um, but I think this question of, of how... We navigate culture and faith and tradition and innovation um, and what it looks like to be a follower of Christ, how we are reading scripture and engaging that today. I think those are questions that Anabaptists wrestle with a lot. And although we may come out somewhere different than Rod Dreer, is that how you say his last name? As far as I know, yeah. We're just going to go with it. Um, It's an interesting question to think about, some of those connections. I think, you know, historically, if you look back at Anabaptists, there was this very countercultural, separate from the world kind of movement, and especially in Mennonite Church USA, there's been some blending of that. But um, what is that right balance? That's tough. And that's a hard peacemaking in a way, right? I mean, where yeah. you're trying to live out your faith and your belief and your ideals in this world that's constantly changing and throwing up challenges. So this gets to the heart of it. Um, check out the podcast, and in the podcast we talk, or in the interview with Ted, we talk about his blog, where you know Ted's a pro- prolific blogger. Um, and we delve into this more, but I think this is going to be a good introduction to this book, which is making a lot of waves, and also to these larger issues of how do we do it? How do we navigate this this quick-changing world? So thanks for joining us on Peace Lab, and enjoy this interview with Ted, Ted Grimsrud. Thrilled to be talking to Ted Grimsrud today, and a lot of our audience may have studied with Ted, actually, at EMU. Um, but Ted, you are a retired professor from Eastern Mennonite University. Is there uh, anything else in your background you want to you want to give up for those of our listeners who did not take a class with you? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I I taught at EMU for about twenty years uh, before I reti- just very recently retired. Before that, for about ten years, I was a pastor in uh, several Mennonite congregations uh, out in Oregon and Arizona and South Dakota, and uh, and so I've always kind of approach theology uh, in some sense uh, from a pastoral perspective. And, uh, and so I think that's a big part of kind of who I am too. And uh, Ted's a prolific writer, speaker, and blogger. And uh, you, you run two blogs or is it more? Is there, am I well, there's just, there's one, what I, the way, the, way I, the distinction I make is that there's a blog that I call thinking pacifism that is kind of my current kind of commentary and, reflections and thoughts and, and stuff. And then I have uh, kind of a, 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 a another site that's called Peace Theology. It's more where I collect writings, bigger, large, generally larger writings, uh, uh, essays, lectures, even even a book uh, I have on there. Uh, so, so kind of Peace Theology is the bigger stuff. Thinking pacifism is more of the current kind of commentary stuff. 
Gotcha. Gotcha. And that's how, so we wanted to have Ted on the podcast for a long time and there are a lot of different things we could talk about, but you wrote a series of posts on uh, a specific book that, that really got me interested. And uh, for our listeners out there, it kind of depends on what your, what your media diet is. This might be a book that you've heard a lot about, or maybe you haven't heard much about it at all. Um, but I think it's really worth getting into. And this is the Peace Lab podcast, and the book we're going to talk about is called The Benedict Option from, from an author named Rod Dreyer. Um, it's not about militarism or war per se. It's more about, okay, so how does a, a Christian, a follower of Jesus, interact with the culture? And in many ways, that's sort of the meta narrative of, of pacifism anyway, right? So I, I think this is actually right in our wheelhouse. Uh, and as I said, this book's been getting a lot of attention, a lot of reviews. I had not really seen much in the way of any Mennonite uh, engagement with it or, or Anabaptist in a way until I saw uh, Ted's blog, which let me give a shout out to our friend on the left coast, Dave Hockman work who, who pointed it out to me. Thank you, Dave. Uh, and I read about it and I wanted to talk to him. So Ted, I might set the table for you here. Um, what is this book? This uh, Benedict doctrine from Rod Dreyer. Like, I guess, first of all, how did it come on your radar? How did you find out about it? And then can you tell our folks just a little bit about what it is in broad strokes? Sure. Uh, I had not I had not been familiar with uh, with uh, Dreyer's work until very recently, but a, a friend of mine some months ago during the election uh, encouraged me to check out the American Conservative uh, website. American Conservative, he, he said, the American Conservative would be kind of an alternative to uh, maybe what you could call the Fox News version of uh, conservatism, and uh, was not you know, would be very critical of a lot of the militarism and, and that sort of thing. And so I started looking at that website and did find it very interesting and featured very prominently in the website is, is Rod Dreher. And he has a blog that uh, is an extraordinarily uh, prolific blogger. And every day, most days, he has several posts that he puts up and, uh, and he, and, and he mo- mostly writes about uh, theology and in, in a broad sense about uh, kind of the intersection of uh, of Christianity and, and culture. And he started talking, I mean, he was talking then, this was before the book uh, actually came out, but he was talking about this project that he's working on called the Benedict Option, which caught my attention because uh, a, a book that I read in grad school 30 some years ago that was extremely important for me is called After Virtue by a, a philosopher named uh, Alistair McIntyre. And uh, and that book was uh, a really influential book for me and, and for lots of people. And at the very end of the book, McIntyre talks about, uh, it's kind of a, a critic, he's, it's a critique of, uh, of kind of the uh, loss of uh, moral ability to think and talk uh, about morality in Western culture. And at the end of the book, he, he's, he's kind of pessimistic. He says, well, maybe uh, what what, uh, what what's going to have to happen is uh, something like a new Benedict, uh, Benedict being the, the monk uh, in the sixth century who kind of started the monastic movement as a, as in a way that turned out to be very important for kind of preserving a lot of the uh, uh, cultural uh, uh, kind of Christian emphases uh, in, in, a, in a monastic setting. And, and so McIntyre is kind of saying, well, maybe we need a new Benedict who can do something like that. And, uh, and so when I saw Benedict Option, I thought of that, and it turns out that that is uh, an inspiration for Dreyer, you know, the, the, this idea of, uh, of, of Christians uh, get, kind of stepping back from trying to uh, run the culture and, and have a 
Christian culture. He, he basic Dreyer says that uh, uh, basically Christians have lost uh, the uh, the struggle to uh, kind of be in, in in you know to be center, central in American culture and and so rather than trying to refight that he's he his idea really is more what he's trying to do with the book is to inspire uh, Christians to take a more countercultural approach where uh, where they focus on uh, their own communities uh, and uh, and uh, as a way of uh, sustaining their sense of, of culture. Well, there's something that resonates there just, you know, as an Anabaptist, I guess, just that, uh, that idea of forming, you know, the, the new world forms in the shell of the old. And so th- there seems to be some resonance there between, I guess, right. broad-stroke Anabaptist ideas and, and maybe what he's talking about. I mean, what were the other things or just other good things that you got from the book that you found that you could affirm? Well, well I, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, I, just what you said. I mean, I, I think the, the, uh, uh, calling the, 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 uh, uh, sense that, that, uh, that we should be working in our communities, in our churches, uh, to, uh, sustain, uh, uh, faithful living, uh, is, is, uh, kind of a refreshing thing to hear somebody from outside, uh, our, Anabaptist or Believers Church uh, traditions to say. I I think his I think I, I resonate a lot with uh, a, a good deal of his critique of kind of our current American culture. His his uh, he's uh, has a very sharp critique of uh, materialism, uh, both materialism in the sense of kind of consumerism and gaining more and more, trying to get more and more stuff, and also materialism in terms of kind of the more uh, scientistic uh, idea that. The material world is all there is, and and both of those uh, are very problematic in their culture. And I think his critique of that is is on point for sure. You know, well, that brings up a good point. I mean, and this and the, the thing I would affirm about this book is it's not an, not an academic book, but it's not flimsy. You That's know? right. That's right. Like a, a devotional book, maybe that you would expect to get from, um, I guess, more the evangelical culture, or or it's not. Right. Uh, it's sometimes uh, a lot of progressive books are just sort of like policy manuals. So right. It's neither one of those, but no. it's, he, he draws from history uh, pretty, you know, pretty regularly to kind of defend his arguments. Yeah. Um, it, what you talked about there, it seems like one of his key sort of pivot points in history was enlightenment and the, just the, just encouragement of individuality and, and how right. to be corrosive to community. It, it, that's, that's one of the things that you thought resonates as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I mean, I, I would uh, not be quite as, uh, all encompassing or quite as hostile toward the enlightenment as, as, as Dreyer's. But there, yeah, there's been a strong kind of uh, uh, critique of, 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 of dynamics in the enlightenment and, and the impact in American culture that uh, kind of from the kind of Anabaptist progressive peace theology wing of things uh, is, you know, it's been part of that too. Uh, I, I wrote a paper a number of years ago, Called a pacifist critique of of uh, Western culture, you know, and and a lot of things that, that he talks about are somewhat similar to what I I talked about, uh, and I, I think also uh, the uh, uh, he, he's very concerned about the impact on 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 youth on children of uh, kind of the media the the technology uh, kind of this wired culture that we're part of. Uh, 
that is is uh, you know showing to be uh, hurtful in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I, and so, so in terms of his critique, I, I, I resonate with a lot of it. And his, but but then also, as we I guess we kind of already have alluded to, I, I think his his uh, uh, vision, his his inspiration to to say, okay, how do we respond? Well, maybe the best thing we can do is to respond by uh, creating these kind of alternative cultures, these, uh, uh, these communities of, of, uh, of kind of resistance. Uh, uh, and, and there are a lot of things about kind of the way he frames that that I don't like that well, but that general idea uh, seems to me to be really right and really good. <laughs> and, and you and I were talking before we you know, started the podcast official, I guess, of what this book reminded me of. It brought my head back to Resident Aliens. It's a great yeah. book from Harawas and Willimon that, that it's, it's sort of like Benedict Option, but maybe like reversed in a way. Yeah. Some of the same things that they point out, the, the problems in culture, you know, their starting point would be with, with Constantine and saying, you know, Christians right. should have been in charge anyway. And that has sort of eaten away at, our, at who we are and our primary mission. Um, but but the emphasis would be let's get back to that let let's be who we are let the church be the church right and and then that goes from there so I see some similarities there but um, but all that being said that, that you know for me I know there are some things that were that were problematic in here that and that maybe they just don't don't I can't fully sign on to you know as an Anabaptist and uh, as someone who's been sort of reading scripture and reading the world through the lens of Jesus and I know and. And for, for anyone who wants to read in this deeper, again, this is on, on uh, Ted's blog, thinkingpacifism.net. He's got, uh, up now he's got uh, three different posts on this, so you can read in more detail. But what, what were some of the things that stood out to you, Ted, as maybe not being on the money that you couldn't say, you know what, I, I fully sign on to, to what he's saying? Well, I, I would say, it, it, you know, what it really kind of boils down to for me is just a, uh, the, the, the G, you know, he doesn't really talk about Jesus. Right. And, uh, and, and certainly, partly that might just be, uh, you know, in, in his particular uh, uh, kind of uh, ecclesial context, people are more, <clears throat> aren't as Jesus-talky-like, you know. Right. And, 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 I, I, and I also think that he, he sure, I, I mean, I, it's, it's clear in his writing, it's not, it's not like he, he thinks, he does believe Jesus is central to everything. But just in terms of still the, the 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 kind of the structure of his argument, and uh, uh, and that sort of thing, there, there's very little about. Uh, I mean, I, like I would, if I was going to try to, and I think any Anabaptist or kind of believers church church type Christian who might share some of the critique and and might believe in the the the, the need for the counterculture. Uh, I would kind of start with Jesus and Jesus' teaching as as kind of the, the core inspiration and guide, and uh, and I think as as a as a consequence of that, perhaps uh, at least this is how I perceive it that that is that, that love is not a very central theme in in what he writes, uh, right. and and this is not only in terms of, uh, of of kind of the content of of what he says. But also the tone. The, 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 there's, there's a. He's, he's obviously very angry, and um, and I, I, I don't think anger is a bad thing. Uh, but I think that there, there still is this, this tone of, of uh, 
it's not a very winsome kind of home. Uh, <laughs> right. Well, I, I totally agree with that. And I think what I got from it was uh, he, he is a conservative and, and I'm not saying anything that he writes for the American conservative. I mean, he says that that's sort of who he is, but if you sort of frame that and I guess the social psychology that's so popular now, you know, yeah. what drives a conservative? Well, you know, <coughs> a lot of change is not good. Uh, you know, yeah. and, and the loss of, of authority figures or authority institutions, right. you know, is uh, creates a lot of unease and that almost oozes out of this book in a way, you know, well, I think things are changing really fast and I'm really not comfortable with it. And that's coming out in this way that, that like you said it, well, everything's very measured and, and, and sort of pushes all the right buttons, but there just seems to be a, a, a dis-ease underneath that, that kind of comes through. Right. That's right. I, I agree. And, and I think uh, you just mentioned uh, a minute ago, uh, uh, which is, is Constantine, you know, and, and so the, the uh, resident aliens, Howard Watts and, and Willimon, that is a core part of their kind of critique and their, their, uh, their angle on things is, is the, 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 the move in Christianity when, uh, when Constantine came into power the fourth century uh, kind of changed everything and, and changed everything in a problematic way. Well, uh, Dreyer, I mean, Dreyer doesn't talk about Constantine, but he's, <clears throat> I mean, something I, I learned that I didn't know before. I mean, a couple years ago, I learned this, that Constantine is actually a saint in the Eastern Orthodox church. Oh, I didn't and, know that either. Uh, I don't think it's because of his politics, but because of his uh, kind of ending persecution against Christians and that sort of thing. But, but I think for Dreyer, there's not the sense of, uh, I mean, the sense for Dreyer, it seems, is that this is, that we need to have a Christian culture. You know, Christianity, I mean, he doesn't use this term, but I would say he wants a Christian hegemony in our culture. And, yeah. and it's a defeat that we don't have that. And, and, and he's being realistic and, and, and all this, you know, as you say, the, the, all, you know, the change is just overwhelming and, and terrifying. And, uh, and so he's saying, okay, well, it doesn't look like we can win for now. So what we need to do is kind of batten down the hatches and, and, and stuff. But the vision is still seems to be a vision of a culture that is run by Christians. And, uh, and that, that, that's, that seems like <coughs> really uh, a problem from my point of view. Yeah, uh, and that does, yeah, and that's another thing that they examine in Resident Aliens. And so I'm here in the Bible Belt in North Carolina, and you, you've got the blue laws, you can't buy alcohol until Sunday at 12 o'clock. And you can see that as you know, sort of being the outgrowth of, okay, you know, the, the you know, Christians had the, the you know, we're at the controls, and we put yeah. these moral checks in place. And the reality of that is, okay, well, I just have to buy more beer on Saturday. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, right, right. So where's the, where's the victory there? You know, uh, it's a great point. You know, Jesus is there, I and mean, we're not denying that at all, and it, and it comes through, but, but maybe not, not as positioned or, or where we would normally place Jesus in the middle of things. Some other ramifications of that, I think, just this idea that, that you're either in the world or you're not, and that if you're That's right. in these uh, you know, tenuous times to follow Jesus, you're, you're going to have to, I think from what I've read, uh, he doesn't like you know, the, uh, this this idea to be characterized as withdrawal, um, but people are going to kind of shorthand it that way. But there's no, there's no idea of go forth, you know, right. and, and, and right. we've got this good news and it's right. shared. And so it seems to, to strip the gospel of, of some of its imperative. Anyway, I, I don't know. Did it strike you that way? Yes, uh, definitely. I, I mean, one way that, that I might say it would be to say that uh, it seems to me his 
sense of kind of separation is more kind of ontological, like there's this fundamental difference between the church and the world. And, and there's even a sense now that the world has rejected the Christian hegemony. The world can just go to hell, really. And, and in fact, all these signs that the world is going to hell are good things in a way, uh, almost, you know. And, and, the, and the way I would understand it, the biblical sense of, of kind of separation is more strategic. Mm-hmm. It's like the going clear back to uh, uh, Abraham uh, and 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 the, the calling of Abraham and Sarah uh, to kind of have this family that and their descendants would bless all the families of the earth. That's kind of the the point of this calling of Abraham and Sarah. And so it's like the the and, and I think to some degree at least the believers' church and a Baptist uh, traditions have uh, have had that. Uh, at their best, you know, where, where we, <coughs> we do what we can. We, we engage the world in positive, constructive ways, but we also uh, are critical, and we also emphasize the need to uh, create healthy communities, but the, the purpose of our healthy communities, of, of being strong in our uh, convictions and, 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 and all that, is so then we can be light and right. salt the world. We can, we can, uh, uh, engage the world uh, in positive ways, and I, and I don't think I don't think there's a sense of that in Dreyer. I mean, he uh, I, I would hope, and, and 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 I even believe it's possible that he will learn more that there is this tradition already that to some degree has practiced a kind of Benedict option, and and there's actually a debate uh, which I'm not really qualified to talk about all uh, about Benedict himself, you know, and and if Dreyer is really using Benedict uh, in a an appropriate way, but but I I've always thought of Benedict as a model also of that kind of engagement that that you you pull back in order then to be able better to to serve. Uh, another another critique I guess uh, that, that I think is a little bit related. Uh, uh, several friends of mine, uh, kind of their immediate reaction was that uh, that they think uh, a central calling to Christians is to uh, be out. Uh, kind of in the world, helping and serving the vulnerable, and the the, the, the you know uh, caring for people who who are in need and, and that sort of thing. And and I don't think uh, Dreyer would disagree that that's important. But but again, that's not part of his agenda that that he talks about in his book, at least. And I think that that's what's opening him up to another another line of criticism, which I think is legitimate. He is he's writing this. You know, he's. He's a white guy making a living as a writer, you know, you know, writing books and, and, and blogging. And he's writing from a place of privilege. And it is a lot easier to say, yeah, I'm going to withdraw and do my thing. And, and I'm sure, again, like you said, he wouldn't say, well, don't do these things. Don't work for justice. But if you play this out in your head, it's like, well, no, you're putting the honest on, on people to come to you and maybe seek succor in, in your Christian community. And you've got no responsibility to go meet the world and go stand with those who, you know, who, and all these, I think we're, I don't want to get off onto another subject, but a lot of the problems that he cites uh, in, in culture are problems, but there are some bigger ones. Yeah. So if, if you're an African-American uh, and uh, targeted by the police, uh, we got to do something about this. And it's incumbent right. on, on us as followers of Jesus to be proactive about it, I, I would think. So I think he's opening himself up to that criticism. I, I don't know. Do you feel that's fair? Well, to some degree, I mean, I, I think it's unfair, and, and people have done this, you know, say, well, he's racist and that sort of thing. 
uh, I wouldn't say that at all, but but I do think that there is a, a kind of a tone deafness or, or, or also, yeah, yeah you know, I mean, there's just a sense of when you say what really matters to you, that doesn't mean that you reject other things, but it still says something about what your priorities are, you know, right. and, and it really does seem like his priority is more on uh, protection from all these negative things in the world than it is in actually being out there serving the world. Right. Yeah. So I, that's, I, I agree very much with what you said. I, I don't see things that are, you know, sort of overtly prejudiced or prejudicial or whatnot, but I think it is just a matter of I'm seeing the world in one way and then not necessarily seeing the ramifications of that. You know, I did want to, we, we mentioned this a couple of different times, but, um, and you write in your blog about, I guess, Dreyer's view of, of history and the, the trajectory that it's on and right. the story that it tells. And, and so to me, it seems sort of overwhelmingly pessimistic in a lot of ways. Right. And, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people who, 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 does buy into, I guess, the, the Steven Pinker and, and other arguments of, you know, we're actually getting into a less violent world. Yeah. You know, and, and there are so many good things that you can point to. And again, maybe this comes from the, you know, the, the new world and the shell, the old, uh, you know, idea. But yeah. I see a lot of that. And I just, I don't see any recognition of that in the book. I don't know, like, how do you see his, his telling of the history there? Is it, is yeah. It that, that's a really important part of his, uh, his argument, I think, is that he basically, like, like uh, and I agree with this to some degree. He has a strong critique of of this kind of progress narrative, you know, and, and kind of uh, again partly uh, uh, coming out of the Enlightenment and just this sense that uh, uh, this kind of uh, liberal world order and things are just getting better and better. Well, he's he appropriately critiques that, but I but I I would say that, that what what he does though is he still has a uh, a trajectory kind of narrative, except to him, the trajectory is down instead of up. Right. And I've been uh, uh, studying the book of Revelation a lot. And uh, my interpretation of Revelation, my interpretation of Revelation, which is a little bit different, I think, than a lot of the popular interpretations, is that Revelation is more really about living in the present. And I think that is uh, a biblical theme in general. And uh, and that uh, in, in Revelation, there is a sense that, uh, uh, yeah, there's kind of this negative uh, trajectory in a way, but, uh, but also there's a positive trajectory. And the outcome is actually the healing of the nations, the, 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 the healing of, even of the kings of the earth. Uh, and, and this happens through uh, this community and these people who are worshiping and experiencing the, the presence of God's kingdom, the presence of salvation in the present. And, it, and so it seems to me that uh, rather than uh, uh, kind of having a, a trajectory narrative, either of progress or of descent, uh, the Christian view should be a lot more, our calling is to live in the present and to appreciate then the ways in which uh, God is with us and, and we see signs of, 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 we could say progress, right. but also to be realistic about the signs. I mean, there's, you know, I mean, it, like I, I have talked about this in my classes a lot where uh, you've got ups and downs, you've got pos positive trajectories and negative trajectories. And it's really impossible for us to, I think, to really discern. But I don't think that really should even be our agenda. You know, that, that we know what is good. We know what we are called to live like, and we should be positive and optimistic that that 
that God honors that, that that is, uh, there is fruit in that. That's, you know, that, that makes me think of another, this not a current book, but one that's been uh, influencing me for a while. I don't know if you've uh, read uh, Nassim Taleb, uh, Anti-Fragile and Black Swans, but you know, his big thing is you, you, you can't be clued to, to anything sort of on this day-to-day, hour-to-hour, week-to-week. Yeah. It would be stocks or news or whatever that uh, yeah. when you're doing that, your perspective is, is going to be skewed. You, you have to find some, some right. to look at. Yeah. To look at long-term, maybe not what you're saying. Yeah. Not necessarily trying to chase trends, but you, you need to be able to distance yourself and, and sort of you know figure out what's signal and what's noise. And that's, that's right. harder to do. And, and again, I think that's getting back to Jesus. I mean, I think that's why Jesus is so important. The, 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 the story of Jesus, the biblical kind of portrayal of things, and that gives us, uh, I mean, that, that's what I think is going on in Revelation, is it's, it's always getting back to uh, kind of the, the, the core, getting back to the, uh, the kind of the, the, the ultimate reality, you know, and that uh, ultimate reality is, uh, is God's, and we can trust in that. I, I think that's another thing about Dreyer is that there's no, oh, no, that's too strong. I don't perceive a lot of, a sense of trust in Dreyer's writing and thinking. Gotcha. A lot of uh, anxiety, uh, uh, a lot of uh, a sense of, of, of kind of the need to uh, to be in control. Uh, maybe amount of fear. Uh, you know, like you 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 said the thing about change, you know, how scary change is. I mean, all of that, which you know, isn't wrong per se, but but it, it, I think from a Christian perspective, it needs to somehow still be seen in the context of some kind of trust ultimately that, uh, uh, that, that this is God's world, you know, and, and, uh, and all of it is God's world. And, right. and I think that's kind of missing in Dreher. You know, well, one thing he, in the Bennett adoption, that's, that's attractive. I mean, not, not in a, uh, not in a sadistic way, but, but he talks very frankly, you know, suffering is a part of life and suffering yeah, uh, right. faith is a part of life. And I think that's one of those things that he's got his finger on as well. Yeah, and that, that's right. I guess mainstream Christianity, however you want to define that, has right. lost that. You know, it's more right. about fulfillment. Uh, you know, some are, from a very almost you know dustworthy place. You know, I think he he wants he's willing to say you know if you, you suffer for this, you can find redemption and all these things. And so I think that's good. But the other side of that that was that troubled me about the book too was you know, he talked a lot about you know the markers of of how we knew the culture was turning and and now how Christians are sort of under persecution and attack. Or, I don't know that that whole uh, everything he wrote about that was troubling to me because he would point to things that in in comparison to other events look very minor you know right. like he, he he didn't point to you know the, the church aiding and abets and abetting nazism as as a problem you know or he didn't point to dropping atomic bombs as being a, right. you know a sign of uh, of cultural disintegration you right. know, he points to other things more current things a lot of them that have to do with, with sexuality and with right. um insurance and all these other things that he points and it just felt out of scale to me. I, I don't know. What was your take on how yeah, I, you talk about persecution? I, I, I agree. I, I think that, uh, I mean, I agree with both, both parts of what you say. I, I think there is a, 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 a refreshing and uh, uh, helpful kind of sense that he gives that, that uh, you know, and it's part, it's part of, I think what I would say is probably the strongest thing in the book is just the sense that, Christian faith really matters. It's really important to try to practice this. And in the world we live in, 
that's going to, you know, there's going to be suffering and going to be persecution. And that's part of the package. And you should expect that to be part of the package. So, so that's good. But, 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 I, but then I totally agree with your second point that his sense of what that persecution is about seems, you know, deeply problematic. You know, it, it is in a way, as you kind of alluded to before, uh, coming from a place of privilege uh, of, uh, as a uh, wealthy white American uh, and, 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 and that you get really distressed about uh, these certain kinds of things that, you know, in the, in, in the scheme of the history of persecution are very minor. Right. Uh, and, but, but then I also think that this relates to uh, his, uh, I guess you could say Constantinianism in general, that it's like he's offended almost that there is this persecution, you know, it's like, persecution is is part of it he 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 says but but i don't know if he really believes that i mean it, it's more like uh okay in the world we live in if we're going to be realistic in, in in american culture and how american culture hates christians then you're going to get persecuted but it, it shouldn't be that way and i'm offended that it's that way you know yeah exactly it almost it goes toward a sense of style or whatnot than actual like real persecution right and and I think in the you know, again in the Anabaptist uh, believers church tradition, uh, there's a, a much persecution is part of it's just part of things you know and and and, and, and in a way it's it, I mean maybe even almost too much sometimes you know if you look at something like Martyr's Mirror uh, yeah. it's valorized but but I think basically the idea is that uh, if you're gonna follow Jesus. Uh, he calls you to take up your cross and he, his cross was a cross where he was uh, persecuted. He was uh, taken on by the, by the state, by the powers that be because of his witness uh, against their, their ways, you know, and, and that that's kind of the path of Christian faith. And, and I don't really, I mean, there, there's some of that in Dreher, but I think at its core, it's, it's not really uh, based on, on Jesus. Yeah, I'm afraid we're going to have to leave it here. I, I want to leave it with two things. One, I, I want to encourage folks uh, yeah, to read the book and engage in this, because I think, you know, the conversation we're having, these are important things to think about. And not to, to say, you know, who's right or wrong, but it's, this is a good sort of flexing of your, of your faith muscles to think through these things. Uh, I would encourage you to, to go to, uh, to Ted's blog again to read this, but also I think the question we didn't get to answer here, and, and maybe we'll have you back on some, sometime soon, Ted, to talk about, okay, if this isn't it, what is? You know, so how do we look at the culture and where do we see signs that, that things are going astray and what's our response? We don't have time to go into it here, but I think this is something you're going to be covering uh, on your blog coming up. Yeah. Just to say, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in the process of writing a fourth blog post and I'm calling it uh, a believer's church option, the question mark. And, uh, and what I hope to do there is to present a more, a, a kind of a positive, uh, constructive uh, uh, perspective on uh, kind of maybe uh, uh, inspired by the Benedict option, but this is a, kind of an alternative notion of of, uh, of that kind of option of, of, of uh, counterculture. We'll be looking forward to that one. Last thing, Ted, I know you, uh, you're a big music fan too. Uh, can you turn us on to new music? Who are you playing lately? Is there a new band or a new album or maybe an old one that, uh, that you would recommend for us this week? Well, I'll, I'll, I, I always have a hard time thinking on my feet when I'm asked that kind of question, but, but, but I'll recommend somebody right now who I'm thinking about a lot, who I, I really like a lot. It's a, 
a, a, a singer from uh, Austin, Texas named Jimmy LaFave, who uh, does kind of country folk, uh, writes his own songs, but he also does, uh, he's like the best kind of interpreter of Bob Dylan's music that, that there is. Okay. He does a lot of covers of Dylan. And he has cancer and he's near death. And so, uh, so I, I guess I'm, it's especially kind of poignant now to think of his music. But uh, Jimmy LaFave, somebody I, I would really recommend. Check him out. Check out the blog. And thanks for joining us on Peace Lab, Ted. Pleasure to talk to you. My pleasure, Jason. Thanks for having me.